You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet The Firsts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A'udhu billahi as-salamu alayhi wa minash shaytan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wal'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wal'aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa baraka ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. So alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. We are back with the first. And inshallah ta'ala we're going to move away from the incidents that we have been speaking about with al-Rajir and Bir Ma'una. And as I mentioned, subhanAllah, just so happened that those incidents of the massacres of Khubayb radiallahu anhu and Asim bin Thabit radiallahu anhu and all of them happened in the month of Safar. Uh, we're now in the month of Rabi' al-Awwal. And Rabi' al-Awwal, of course, is the month that the Prophet was born in. It's also the month that the Prophet passed away in. It's also the month that the Prophet arrived in Medina in. And so it matches the Hijrah, and we will be speaking inshallah ta'ala about someone whose entire story revolves around his love of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he first sees him enter into Al-Madinah, and that is Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ab al-Aslami radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now subhanallah, this is where connecting the dots with some of the unknown companions really comes into play. If you remember, when we spoke about the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ not so long ago, we talked about those who became Muslim along the way. Those who became Muslim along the way. Who can actually name them for me, inshallah? There are some famous ones, and then there is one that wasn't so famous. So who was the first one? Who has the most eloquent description of the Prophet ﷺ? Somebody? Come on. Umm Ma'bad radiallahu ta'ala anha. And then you had the bounty hunter. Who was the bounty hunter that caught the Prophet ﷺ on the way of the hijrah? Suraq ibn Malik anhu. And then you had the third person who we said is the least known person of them all. The Prophet ﷺ finds him on his way to Al-Madinah. And as the Messenger of Allah ﷺ bumps into him, the Prophet ﷺ gives da'wah to this chief and he and 70 of his followers embrace Islam. Who was he? Starts with a B. Burayda al-Aslami radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Remember the whole story of the Prophet when he asked him what tribe he's from? He said Aslam. And the Prophet turned to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and said, Salimna, we're safe. So notice the name right away. Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ab al-Aslami. This very famous companion, Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ab al-Aslami, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is from that particular tribe. And in fact, Burayda radiallahu ta'ala anhu, this mysterious figure in the background that becomes Muslim along the way of the hijrah, actually is going to play a role in this man's story. We don't have the exact moment that Rabi'ah radiallahu ta'ala anhu embraces Islam. However, we do know that he's from the people of Burayda radiallahu ta'ala anhu and from the tribe of Aslam radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now this is a young man who's going to meet the Prophet ﷺ as he is barely past his age of maturity. So he's a teenager when he sees the Prophet ﷺ. 
And he comes from the outskirts of Medina into Medina to see the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So I want you to think about this teenager that comes into Medina and SubhanAllah of the most beautiful statements that you'll find is his statement of how he describes his first look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says radiallahu ta'ala anhu, كُنْتُ فَتًا حَدِيثَ سِنِّي لَمَّا أَشْرَقَتْ نَفْسِي بِنُورِ الْإِيمَانِ وَامْتَلَأَ فُؤَادِي بِمَعَانِ الْإِسْلَامِ He said, I was a young man who had just reached that age of adulthood when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened my heart with the light of faith and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala filled my intellect with the understanding of Islam. And he says, وَلَمَّا اكْتَحَلَتْ he said, the very first time that I laid my eyes on the Prophet He said, I loved him with a love that literally encompassed my entire being. You know, you meet people and they strike you in a certain way. And with the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca, they were blinded by their arrogance for all of those years. But the Ansar had a different way of interacting with the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. And this young man says that when I saw him, it's not like my heart just changed. He said, it's not just qalbi, it's not just my heart. He said, every part of me suddenly became immersed in the love of this man ﷺ. I knew nothing about him, but I just looked at him. And I fell in love with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ab al-Aslami basically wants to plot a way to get close to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And one of the beautiful things about the story of Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, by the way, that I personally enjoy about reading about him, is that he's telling his son his inner thoughts throughout this. So he's describing his journey with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam based upon the conversations that he's having with himself as he's seeing the Prophet So he's telling his son, Nu'aym, that I saw the Prophet or Na'im, I saw the Prophet the first time and I fell in love with him. And I basically decided to myself, I have to find a way to get close to the Prophet So you've kind of got this, this whole scene around the Messenger of Allah in the Hijrah, right? You have the Ansar, who are excited to receive the Prophet ﷺ, everyone saying, come to my house, come to my house, let me be your neighbor, let me be your neighbor. And if you're an Ansari that's pitching a tent or you're trying to build some sort of a structure, you're trying to get as close to the Prophet ﷺ's house as possible, where he is as possible. And you've got the Muhajireen that are already the closest of companions to the Prophet ﷺ, and they're only closer as a result of this journey that they took together. So how am I, Rabi'ah ibn Ka'b al-Aslami, not from one of the main tribes of the Ansar, nor from the Muhajirin of Mecca, going to find my way and sandwich myself in between all of this and gain the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ. So he's telling his son everything that happened. He said that, I decided to join Ahl Sufa, the young men that were sleeping in the back of the masjid that did not have a home yet. He said, I basically went and I slept in the masjid. And he describes life as being from Ahl Sufa. Now realize again, Rabi'ah is unmarried, young, and he's from the outskirts of Medina. So he said that as the people of Ahl Sufa, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
never received a gift and never received a meal. No food came to him except that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, would leave from his home and he would sit with us and he would share that food with us. So he's giving you a look at Medina. So Ahl al-Suffa, who you would expect to be the most excluded, are already gaining a closeness to the Prophet because anyone sends him a plate, the Prophet brings the plate out to the masjid, he sits with Ahl al-Suffa and he eats with us. So he said, so I started to gain a closeness to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that you could count all of Rabi'ah's narrations in 10, basically 10 narrations. And one of them is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam received meat one day. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not used to eat meat much because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would not have cooked food much. He would eat whatever he could find alayhi salatu wasalam. And Rabi'ah narrates that the Prophet ﷺ said one day, اللحم سيد إدام الدنيا والآخرة That meat is the king of all food in this dunya and in the akhirah. So yes, we're in Texas, we love our barbecues, we love our meat. And the Prophet ﷺ was praising what it was like to receive meat. And of course, when the Prophet ﷺ talks about the food of Al-Jannah, وَلَحْمِ طَيْرٍ Allah ﷺ mentions, وَلَحْمِ طَيْرٍ مِمَّا يَشْتَهُونَ That the fresh meat of, uh, of, of these large birds in Jannah that fulfill the desires of all of its inhabitants. So the Prophet ﷺ would rarely eat meat, he would rarely eat bread, and Rabi'ah is basically giving you this, this insight that, you know, I kind of got to know the Prophet ﷺ as one of Ahl al-Sufa, I was one of those young men eating with the Prophet ﷺ and trying to, you know, get some rapport with him So he says, so one day I said to myself, وَيْحَكَ يَا رَبِيعًا Woe to you, O Rabi'ah! Why don't you go and completely dedicate yourself لِخِدْمَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Go dedicate yourself to a service. Go tell the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, look, I'm only in Medina for one reason. I could be back with my people in Banu Aslam and I could be fed and I could be taken care of. I came here for one purpose. I came here to be in your service. I came here to be your student. So go, a'rid nafsak, go present yourself to the Prophet ﷺ to basically be another Anas ibn Malik anhu, to be another one of those young men around the Prophet ﷺ. Now it's an important footnote here that most of those young people that dedicated themselves to the Prophet ﷺ came later on in the seerah. Abu Huraira comes much later. Abdullah ibn Abbas literally the last three years of the Prophet's life in Medina. Most of those people that were there with the Prophet hand in hand, foot by foot, come later on in his life So this is still early enough to gain that type of a relationship with the Prophet And he's saying, وَقُلْتُ فِي نَفْسِي And I said to myself, فَإِنْ رَضِيَ بِكَ سَعِدْتَ بِقُرْبِهِ وَفُسْتَ بِحُبِّهِ So actually even his, th- his thoughts are poetic. He says, if he's pleased with you, if the Messenger of Allah accepts you, then you will find joy in his closeness and you will find success in his love وَالْآخِرَةِ And you will be lucky enough, blessed enough to have uh, the fortune of this life and the next. If you get the Prophet to love you, if you enter into his heart, if he starts to take notice of you, you got the dunya, you got the akhirah, you got this life and the next. So he says, so I basically waited for the moment 
to talk to the Prophet So imagine a day after Salah or so in Mazda Nabawi, and I called the Prophet I told the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, my name is Rabi'ah, I'd like to present myself to your service. Anything you need, Ya Rasulullah, I want to be there for you. The Prophet did not disappoint me. He did not disappoint me. You know, he's preparing himself for the Prophet to basically give him a denial or to say, you know, there's a lot going on right now in Medina, come back in a few months. He did not disappoint me. And he accepted me to basically be at his service and to be with him. So he said, from that day onwards, he said, I lived in his shadow, alayhi salatu wassalam. Qala asiru ma'ahu aynama sar wa aduru fi falakihi kayfa ma He said, I would be with him wherever he went, and I moved in his orbit wherever he looked. <laughs> right? He's even telling you how close I was to the Prophet Rasulullah never looked left or right except I was right there with him. He walked somewhere, I was right there with him. I was always right within his glance, waiting for him والسلام, to say to me, Rabi'ah, do something. So I waited for him to just give me one talab, one request, one ask. But you have a humble messenger والسلام, He does for himself what he does for himself وسلم, And he's in the khidmah of other people. He's serving other people. So Rabi'ah is saying, I basically stayed next to him. I walked with him. I tried to, tried to serve him in any way that I possibly could. He said, if the Prophet looked in my direction, I would stand up, anticipating the request, a talab. And if the Prophet even suggested that he had a need, he said, I would go and I would fulfill it. Okay? So he's basically standing guard, this teenager, with the Prophet standing with him, alayhi salatu wasalam, qala wa aqumu lahu fi hawa'ijihi Nahari ajma'u hatta yusalli Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-isha al-akhira. He said that I would stay with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam throughout the day, basically focus my entire day on him alayhi salatu wa sallam, until the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would pray the second isha. Now for the terminology of hadith, maghrib and isha in hadith literature are called the two ishas. So when the Prophet says, staying in the masjid between Al-Isha'ain, the two Isha's, Maghrib is also called the first Isha. Isha is called the last Isha, the final Isha. So he said, I would stay with the Prophet all the way until the last Isha, until the end of the night. And it's pitch black. And he said, and I thought to myself, maybe I should leave and go back to the masjid now. Let me go back to... Ahl-Sufa, let me go sleep under the shelter of the masjid. And he said, then I said to myself, But maybe the Prophet will need something at night. Maybe I'll get lucky one night and the Prophet will suddenly need something at night. So he said that I basically would go and prepare, I'd get the wudu' for the Prophet and I put it at his door at night. And he said, فَإِذَا دَخَلَ بَيْتَهُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ When he entered into his home, قَالَ أَجْلِسُ بِبَابِهِ I would sit at his doorstep, alayhi salatu wassalam. 
and I would wait until he would come out. So when we talk about sticking to the Prophet ﷺ, Rabi'a is not letting up. He's showing the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, I'm here. Ya Rasulullah, I'm here. Ya Rasulullah, I'm here. So subhanAllah, I want you to actually get the image in your head. Think about the hujra of the Prophet ﷺ. Think about his grave, ﷺ, his house. And imagine yourself night after night sleeping outside of his house. And you can hear his voice in Qiyamul Layl. SubhanAllah, what a life. What a life. So imagine putting your, your head down and listening to the Prophet ﷺ read at night. And he said that the Prophet ﷺ would recite for a long time at night. And he said, I would doze off and then I'd wake up. And he said, I would hear the Prophet ﷺ say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And then it would go a long time. And then I'd hear, Sami'allahu liman hamida. And I'd wake up. So he said <coughs> that sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would pray half the night. Sometimes he would pray a third of the night, wasallam. And he said, and I would sit there the entire night waiting for him, alayhi salatu wasalam. And he said that my eyes would sometimes get the better of me and I'd fall asleep and I'd wait for him to come out for Fajr Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then he comes to the main ask. He says, وَقَدْ كَانَ مِنْ عَادَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam أَنَّهُ مَا صَنَعَ لَهُ أَحْدًا مَعْرُوفًا إِلَّا أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُجَازِيَهُ عَلَيْهِ بِمَا هُوَ أَجَلُّ مِنْهُ he said that it was a habit of the Prophet ﷺ that no one would do something for the Prophet ﷺ except that the Prophet ﷺ would like to do something for him that was greater than that. If you did a favor for the Prophet ﷺ, if you gave him a gift, the Prophet ﷺ hated to not be able to respond with something else. The Prophet ﷺ really wanted to reward me for all of my khidmah for him. Now, what's he talking about so far? It's just bringing some wudu to the Prophet ﷺ, bringing the water to the Prophet ﷺ. Just his being alert, this young man who clearly loves the Prophet ﷺ with everything that he has. So he says, فَأَقْبَلَ عَلَيَّ ذَاتَ يوم. He came to me one day and he said, يَا رَبِيعَةُ بْنُ كَعَبْ so Rabi'a stood up excited because he thought, I got a request. Here I am, O Messenger of Allah, and may Allah keep you happy. Ready to go, ready for your order. But he said, the Prophet caught me by surprise. He said to me, Salni, ask me. Come again, Ya Rasulullah. What do you mean, ask me? You ask me, I'm here for you, I'm here at your service. Ask me anything that I can give it to you. Anything that you want, Ya Rabi'a. I mean, you've been here as a young man, subhanAllah, you're sleeping in front of my doorstep, you're following me, you're in my orbit constantly, I look everywhere, you're ready to do whatever I want. Rabi'a, ask me, ask me for anything. Now Rabi'a is a young man, and he's poor, he's living in the masjid, could ask the Prophet ﷺ for anything. He says to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, anzirni. 
Anduru fi amri. O Messenger of Allah, give me some time, let me think about it. Give me some time, let me think about it. And he said to him, ثُمَّ بِذَلِكَ Then I'll tell you what it is, Ya Rasulullah. So can I have some time? The Prophet said, لَا بَأْسَ عَلَيْكَ فَانْظُرْ فِي أَمْرِكَ Go ahead, O Rabi'ah, think about what you want to ask me. Now this is different from genie in a bottle types of movies. This is Rasulullah saying to you, ask me anything. Ask me for anything. And so Rabi'ah, being a young man, he said, I went home that night being in the shelter of the Sufa. And he said, I was a young man, I was poor, I had no wife, I had no wealth, I had no home. He said, I was just one of the poor Muslims in the masjid. And he says, people used to call us Dhuyuf al-Islam, the guests of al-Islam, one of these young men from Ahl al-Sufa. And he said, when Muslims would send charity, the Prophet would come and he would share it with us. And he said that I thought to myself, I could ask the Prophet for anything. So I got to think of something comprehensive here, right? Like this is a one, one wish type of thing, right? And the Prophet is going to grant it to me. Then he says, it occurred to me to ask the Prophet for something of this world that would take me out of poverty and make me wealthy, or perhaps a wife, or perhaps some children. And he said, then I said to myself, so he's constantly coming back to, فَكَرْتُ فِي نَفْسِي أَوْ قُلْتُ لِنَفْسِي I said to myself, تَبَّنْ لَكَ يَا رَبِيعَ What is wrong with you, O Rabi'a? May you perish. فَفَكَرْتُ فِي نَفْسِي فَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّ الدُّنْيَا مُنْقَطِعَةٌ زَائِلَةٌ وَأَنَّ لِي فِيهَا رِزْقًا سَيَكْفِينِي وَيَأْتِينِي He said, I realized that this dunya, this world is going to cut off. It's temporary and it's eventually going to cut off. It's going to go away from us. And the risk, the sustenance that Allah has written for me is going to come to me in any way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed anyway. But the Prophet has a manzila. He has a position with his Lord. And the Prophet would not be rejected in whatever request he made of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I said to myself, let me ask the Prophet for something of this akhirah. Something of the hereafter rather than something of this world. So he said, I went to the Prophet afterwards. Prophet looks at me. Clearly I'm ready to make the ask. Presenting myself, the Prophet is expecting what? Ya Rasulullah, go get me married. Ya Rasulullah, can you get me some money? Ya Rasulullah, can you get me this? So the Prophet said, Ah, ma fa'alti ya Rabi'ah? What is it, O Rabi'ah? What did you come up with? So I said, Ya Rasulullah, murafaqataka fil jannah. Ya Rasulullah, your company in jannah. Your company in jannah. This is the central story of the life of Rabi'ah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Prophet looks at him and he's actually surprised. Now here's the thing, he's a young man and it's a very mature answer. So it could be, did Rabi'ah go talk to his parents or did he go talk to some elders in the tribe or talk to some of the more mature sahaba and come up with that very religious answer? So the Prophet says, Man Who told you to say that, O Rabi'ah? which the commentators of hadith say is a sign of how young Rabi'ah was, to give you the image. He's a young boy. I told you to say your companionship in Jannah. قُلْتُ لَا وَاللَّهِ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِي بَعَثَكَ بِالْحَقِّ مَا أَمَرَنِي بِهِ أَحَدٍ said, I swear, O Messenger of Allah, by the one who sent you in truth, no one told me to say that. وَلَكِنَّكَ لَمَّا قُلْتَ لِي سَلْنِي أَعْطِكَ When you said to me, 
ask me, أُعْطِكَ and I will give to you وَكُنْتَ مِنَ اللَّهِ بِالْمَنْزِلِ الَّذِي أَنْتَ بِهِ And you are in the station with Allah that you are in. نَظَرْتُ فِي أَمْرِي I looked at my position, I looked at myself. وَعَرَفْتُ أَنَّ الدُّنْيَا مُنْقَطِعَةٌ وَزَائِلَةٌ I knew that this world is temporary and it's going to pass. وَأَنَّ لِي فِيهَا رِزْقًا سَيَأْتِينِي and the sustenance of this world is going to come to me anyway. فَقُلْتُ لِنَفْسِي And I said to myself, أَسْأَلُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِآخِرَتِي I'm going to ask the Prophet ﷺ for something in regards to my afterlife. And the Prophet ﷺ, he got quiet for a long time. سَمَتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ طَوِيلًا Like he took his time عليه الصلاة والسلام. He's looking at Rabi'ah. Interesting young man here. So the Prophet ﷺ, he said to me, إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ I'm going to ask Allah for what you said. فَأَعِنِّي عَلَى نَفْسِكَ بِكَثْرَةِ السُّجُودِ But you need to help me help you by increasing in your prostrations, increasing your sujood. Help me help you, O Rabi'ah, because what you are asking is not an easy thing. There are a lot of people that want the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ in Jannah. Listen to me, O young man. Help me help you by increasing in your sujood. Now the ulama mentioned here, subhanAllah, the increase of sujood is the increase of salah, the increase of nawafil, the increase of voluntary prayers, the increase of qiyamul layl. The greatest sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is his extra ibadah because the greatest wasf, the greatest Description of the Messenger of Allah in his person is that he was the greatest slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has ever walked the face of the earth. After his capacity as a Rasul, his risala, it is his ibadah that distinguishes alayhi salatu It's his worship. So help me help you by increasing in salat. Don't just throw a comment like that and then walk away and say the Prophet made dua, now I'm done. I need you to pray more. I need you to increase. And the Prophet ﷺ said that as well about Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. Ni'mal rajul, what a great young man Abdullah is. How can he al-layl? He needs to pray a little bit more at night. Because the Prophet ﷺ wants these companions of his close to him in Jannah. I need you to pray more. I need you to pray more. So Rabi'ah, how does he match this from the Prophet ﷺ? قَالَ فَجَعَلْتُ أَدْأَبُ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ He said, so I went home and I put myself in a situation where I immersed myself in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bi ahwa bi murafaqati rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fil jannah kama hadita bi khidmatihi wa suhbatihi fil dunya so that I could have the companionship of the Prophet in jannah the way that I was fortunate enough to be in his presence and to be in his service in this world. I went, I went back to the masjid, I put myself into salah and I kept exerting myself in worship and I kept pushing myself to do more. This basically becomes the rallying call of Rabi'ah radiallahu ta'ala anhu against himself, against his own nafs. And then sometimes afterwards, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Rabi'ah, Said Labaiki Ya Rasulullah wa Sa'daik, what is it, Ya Rasulullah? I'm ready. He said, Allah Tatazawaj, don't you want to get married now? <laughs> You're a young man. Most of the young men in the masjid are talking about getting married. Isn't that what you really want? Because that's what the Prophet was expecting him to ask the first time around. Allah Tatazawaj, don't you want to get married? 
You already got what you're, you wanted in terms of your request. The suhbah of the Prophet ﷺ in Jannah. May Allah make us all his close ones in Jannah. His murafaqah, subhanAllah, his close companionship in Jannah. So Rabi'ah said, I said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, ma uhibbu an yashghalani an khidmatika shay. Oh Messenger of Allah, I don't want anything to take me away from serving you. SubhanAllah, look at this man's heart. Look at this young man and how he's completely dedicating himself to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ second. The Prophet ﷺ got quiet. You, you know the Prophet ﷺ was proud of him. You know the Prophet ﷺ loved the zeal of this young man. Then he waited a little bit. Why? Because maybe Rabi'ah gave an overzealous answer and maybe he thought about it a bit. So he said, Rabi'ah. I said, لَبَيْكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ وَسَعْدَيْكَ قَالَ أَلَا تَتْزَوَّجُ Do you want to get married? So I said to the Prophet ﷺ, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ مَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ يَشْغَلَنِي عَنْ خِدْمَتِكَ شَيْءٍ O Messenger of Allah, I don't want anything to take me away from serving you. No, I'm good, Ya Rasulullah. And then he added the second time, وَمَا عِنْدِي مَا أُعْتِ الْمَرْأَةِ And I don't have anything to give as a, as a mahar even if I got married. So I'm poor too. So it's not even if I wanted to get married, I have no way of getting married, Ya Rasulullah. So he said, the Prophet ﷺ says, okay, and he walked away. Then Rabi'ah, still telling you what's in his mind, he said, I said to myself, Wayhaka, Ya Rabi'ah, what's wrong with you, O Rabi'ah? He said, Rasulullah, he knows you better. He knows what's better for you. Rasulullah, he knows what I have for him to tell me, do you want to get married? He said, if the Prophet calls me to this once again, if he tells me again, do you want to get married? I'm going to say yes. So I'm going to wait for him. I'm not going to go to him and say, Rasulullah, I thought about it. Actually, I do want to get married. I'm just going to wait till the next time that he says, do you want to get married now? And the Prophet knows these young people around him. So he knows what I have. He knows my situation. He knows what's better for me. So Rabi'ah says, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And the Prophet says, Ya Rabi'ah, O Rabi'ah. said, what is it, Ya Rasulullah? Qala, ala tazawwaj? You want to get married? So I said, Ya Rasulullah, wa man yuzawwijuni? Wa ma indi ma u'ti al-mara? said, O Messenger of Allah, who's going to marry me and I have nothing to give? I have nothing to show for myself. I'm a poor young man in the masjid. All I do here is I live with Ahl al-Sufa and then I fetch your wudu and I, I follow you around the Messenger of Allah. What do I have? So the Prophet ﷺ, now this is his turn to go into next gear. So the Prophet ﷺ says, انطلق إلى بني فلان. I want you to go to this very particular family. Go to this family. فَقُلْ لَهُمْ إِنَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تُزَوِّجُونِي فَتَاتَكُمْ فُلَانَ Go tell them that the Prophet ﷺ is commanding you to marry this girl to me. <laughs> so usually the Prophet ﷺ, by the way, he doesn't, he, he doesn't give this type of a command. Usually the Prophet ﷺ opens it up. He proposes on behalf of some of his companions, but this is Amr. Prophet ﷺ knows what he's doing here. This is a command. So Rabi'ah is supposed to walk up to this family's house. This poor young man that lives in the masjid and that's known to serve the Prophet ﷺ, knock on the door and say, by the way, the Prophet ﷺ came to me and he said that uh, you need to marry your daughter to me. So Rabi'ah basically says, so I said, okay. 
So I went to them and knocked on the door. They opened the door. Salaamu alaykum wa alaykum as He says, Inna Rasulullah arsalani ilaykum litazawijuni fatatakum fulan. The Prophet sent me here to marry your daughter so and so. Qalu fulana. They said, her? Like there's a, they're, they're astounded a bit. So clearly she's, she's from a different type of family, right? She's, she's probably of a higher class or she's someone who comes from one of the noble tribes. But the Prophet knows what he's doing. So they said, fulana? He said, her? Like, are you sure that the Prophet sent you to do this? Rabi'ah said, that's what he said. Sent me, he said, you need to go marry, and he gave me the name. So Rabi'ah knows this could go in many different directions, but they then said, Marhaban bi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa marhaban bi Rasulihi. Welcome to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to the Messenger of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We, we know that the Prophet sallallahu knows better for us. So we're happy. Congratulations. <laughs> they basically get together as a family. Qala fazawwajuni. They contracted everything right there. We sat together and basically that's it. Qala fa'ataytu Rasulullah sallallahu So I came back to the Prophet sallallahu in the masjid and I said, Ya Rasulullah, ataytuka min khayri ahlil bayt. Ya Rasulullah, I have come to you from of the best of the families, the best households. Khayri Ahli Bayt. One of the best families, one of the best things I've ever seen. Saddaquni, Wazawajuni, Ya Rasulullah. Ya Rasulullah, they believed me and they married her to me. It was that easy. You just sent me there and I said that the Prophet has sent me to marry your daughter so and so and they went ahead and they did it. So the Prophet is saying, that's great. And then he says, but Ya Rasulullah, li ma u'ti sadaqi. But how do I give her a mahar? I don't have anything to give her. So I have another problem here. You, you, know, you told them to marry her to me, but I have nothing to give her. So the Prophet ﷺ, he called Burayda al-Aslami. This is where Burayda comes back into the picture. That last person to accept Islam on the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. And Burayda was a chief of the clan of Sahm from Banu Aslam. So he's one of the chiefs of the tribe. And he said, Ya Burayda, ijma'u li rabi'ah. Fi sadaqihi, fi wazni nawat. That gather for Rabi'ah enough of a mahar for a nuat of dhahab, uh, you know, some gold for him to take. A nuat is, is, a, is a measure of gold. So gather amongst yourselves, your clan, something for him to take to present to this woman as a gift for her mahar. So he said that Burayda said, I've got it, Ya Rasulullah. He went, they came back, they gave him his gold. He said, I went back to the family, I gave them the gold. And he said, فَقَبِلُوهَا They accepted the gold, so everything is looking great, right? And then he said, then I said to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, قَدْ قَبِلُوا Alhamdulillah, they accepted. فَمِنْ أَيْنَ لِي مَا أُولِمْ But how do I have a wedding? <laughs> I've got nothing to invite people to. I, I can't afford the wedding feast. So what now? The Prophet at any point could just pass him off and say, you know what, Rabi'ah, you're going to be my companion in Jannah. This is getting a little bit too excessive. Go talk to Burayda and figure this all out now. Like, I got you the girl. I got you your companionship in Jannah. I've done everything for you. Go figure this out. But the Prophet continues to be engaged with him. So he calls Burayda again. And he says to Burayda, uh, go ahead and, and gather amongst yourselves enough money 
for him to sacrifice an animal for his walima. And then he says to me, Rabi'ah says that he says to me, انطلق إلى عائشة, go to Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha, my wife. قل لها, and, and say to her, what do you have from Sha'ir? What barley do you have to provide for the feast as well? Tell her that I'm sending you to her. So Rabi'ah, I mean, imagine being this young man knocking on the door of Aisha, your husband Rasulullah sent me, he said, whatever you have of, of, of barley, uh, I want to take back for my wedding. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she pulled out um, seven, uh, you know, seven of barley, which would be seven bags or seven, seven grams or whatever it may be of barley, seven sa'a, basically whatever she could find. And she said, wallahi, this is all we have in the house. So they emptied out the cabinet of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa for this young man. So then he goes to the house of uh, the family. And by the way, the family's name is never mentioned at any point in this narration. But we know it's a righteous family. And he has a ram, and he said, I've got the bag of Sha'ir, of barley, from the house of the Prophet ﷺ. Everything the Prophet ﷺ had in his house. And I said to them, here's our wedding food. <laughs> what do we do for the walima? So they said, ask for the Sha'ir, give it to us, we'll prepare the barley. As for the ram, you and your companions go and slaughter it and cook it, right? You go take care of the meat, we'll take care of the barley. So he said, so we went and me and some of the young men of the masjid, we went and we sacrificed the sheep, we skinned it, we cooked it, and her family prepared the barley. And then he said, فَأَصْبَحَ وَاللَّهِ عِنْدَنَا خُبْزٌ وَلَحْمٌ He said, just like that, all of a sudden we've got bread and meat, this is what we need for a party. So he said, so then I went to the Prophet ﷺ and I asked him to attend my walima. SubhanAllah. Now can you come to my wedding, Ya Rasulullah? So he said, the Prophet ﷺ gathered whoever was there from his companions and he came and he attended my walima ﷺ and we ate whatever we had of that bread and that meat. And SubhanAllah, the best of this dunya and the best of the akhirah is coming to him. And then he says, then the Prophet ﷺ he allotted for me, he gifted me a land right next to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So he gifted me a piece of property as well. So here's your, you're going to need a house now. You can't live anymore in the masjid. You're going to need to go get yourself settled over there, ya Rabi'ah. So Rabi'ah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who's already been guaranteed the murafaqa, the companionship, the close companionship of the Prophet sallallahu in Jannah, is now the neighbor of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu in Medina. But listen to what he says. He said, فَدَخَلَتْ عَلَيَّ الدُّنْيَا He said, just like that though, I felt like I became materialistic. So this was too much for me all of a sudden, right? I was used to being completely in the service of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, but now I've got property, I've got a wife, you know, Allahu Akbar, I've got a camel or a horse, but I'm good now, right? Everything is getting very materialistic for me. And this is subhanAllah, probably the only other story that you find with him with the companions outside of being in the service of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, He said, but then I got into an argument with Abu Bakr about one palm tree. So we're neighbors, and there was a palm tree kind of on the property line. So he said, I said to Abu Bakr hadi. This is in my, this is on my side. And Abu Bakr said, no Rabi'ah, this is on my side. And he said that we started to argue 
He said, Abu Bakr said a word that hurt my feelings. That's all he said. He didn't say what Abu Bakr as-Siddiq said, but he said in the midst of that exchange, this shows you subhanAllah the human side of these companions sometimes, in the midst of them arguing like what part of the tree is for who, Abu Bakr said something that hurt me. And he said, as soon as he said the word, and Abu Bakr realized that he hurt me with that word, he said to me, Ya Rabi'ah, Rudda alayya mithlaha. Oh Rabi'ah, say that same word back to me. Hatta yakuna qisasa. So that we can be equal. I don't want to meet Allah on the day of judgment having said a word that hurt you. So Rabi'ah, say the same word that I said that hurt you back to me. So now the, the conversation has shifted from the tree to Abu Bakr saying, Rabi'ah, say it back to me now. Rabi'ah said, Wallahi la af'al. No way, I'm not saying it, but you're Abu Bakr. <laughs> I'm not going to say a hurtful word back to you. Abu Bakr is saying, Rabi'ah, I said it to you, I hurt you, I slipped, you should say it back to me. I don't want to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that word on my record. And Rabi'ah said, Wallahi la af'al. Abu Bakr, I'm not going to say this back to you, right? I'm this young, who am I, little Rabi'ah? You're Abu Bakr, come on, it's not happening. So Abu Bakr said, please say it back to me. And then when he got tired, Abu Bakr said, I'm going to go to the Prophet and say to the Prophet what happened so he can tell you to say it back to me. So, so I don't have to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this on the day of judgment. SubhanAllah, look at the man's fear of Allah. This is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he's afraid of a word that slipped in the midst of a heated argument that might have hurt his brother. Who is in status greater? Abu Bakr is way up here. Way up here, no one is close to Abu Bakr. And we know this, that the Prophet ﷺ did not like anyone to bother Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He knew who Abu Bakr was. And Abu Bakr knows his status, but Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is afraid I slip. So what does that mean for us? When we slip and we say something hurtful to another brother or sister, we say, well, she deserved it or he deserved it. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, started walking towards the Prophet ﷺ. This is a very small city, by the way. It's not like you got to get in your car and then start driving a few miles. They live very close to the Prophet ﷺ. So he said, Abu Bakr started to walk towards the Prophet ﷺ. And I thought to myself, what do I do here? <laughs> right? I'm going to get in trouble with the Prophet ﷺ because I upset Abu Bakr. I don't know how to deal with this situation. And he said, aslam." Like, subhanAllah, word travels fast. My tribe heard that I got into an argument with Abu Bakr. So they came to me and they said to me, you should go to the Prophet ﷺ and say to the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr said a hurtful word to you. He should apologize to you. You shouldn't apologize to him and go and... I said to them at that point, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنْ هذا? You know who he is? Do you people from Banu Aslam understand who this man is? هَذَا أَبُو بَكْرَ الصَّدِيقِ وَهُوَ ثَانِي اثْنَيْنِ وَهُوَ ذُو شَيْبَةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ So this is Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. He's the second of the two in the cave that's mentioned in the Qur'an. He is the leader of the Muslims. He is, he is who he is. What are you talking about? So I said to them, leave me alone. Go back to where you came from. Do not, do not cause me to upset Abu Bakr. And he said, and by the way, leave quickly because I don't want Abu Bakr to turn around and to see you all here and to think that I'm gathering up the people against him. And then the Prophet ﷺ would become upset. The Prophet ﷺ would get upset for Abu Bakr. 
And then Allah would get upset because Rasulullah and Abu Bakr are upset. And then Rabi'ah would be destroyed. Don't mess this up for me. Do not escalate. Go back. So they said, فَمَا تَأْمُرُنَا They said, so what do you want us to do? He said, اِرْجِعُوا Go, leave. So Rabi'ah said, so I went to the Prophet and Abu Bakr, and I'm terrified. What am I going to do? And I see Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And it's not like Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is getting Rabi'ah in trouble, but he's afraid that the Prophet is going to be upset because of the stress of Abu Bakr, right? He said, so I sat with them, and the Prophet said, What is it, Ya Rabi'ah? Malaka wa Siddiq. What happened between you and a Siddiq? Tell me your side of the story. Qultu Ya Rasulullah, kana kada wa kada. Said, we, we had a little bit of an argument. Qala li kalimatan karihtuha. He said a word that I didn't like. And then he said to me, Qulli kama qultu lak. Say to me what I said to you so that we can be equal. And I didn't want to say that to him, Ya Rasulullah, because he's Abu Bakr. And who am I? I didn't want to insult him or hurt his feelings in that way. So the Prophet ﷺ says, You did well. فَلَا تَرُدَّ عَلَيْهِ لَكِنْ قُلْ غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ يَا أَبَا بَكْرِ Don't respond to Abu Bakr with that word that he wants you to respond with. But instead say to him, May Allah forgive you, O Abu Bakr. So imagine the Prophet ﷺ sitting with Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. He said, Rabi'ah, just say to him, May Allah forgive you. And that's it. So he said, so I turned to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and I said, غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ يَا أَبَا بَكْرِ May Allah forgive you, O Abu Bakr. And he said, Abu Bakr who broke down into tears. And he said, until his beard became what? And he started to grab his beard and he said, Jazakallahu khaira ya Rabi'ah. Jazakallahu khaira ya Rabi'ah. May Allah reward you, O Rabi'ah. May Allah reward you, O Rabi'ah. And he said, Fawalla Abu Bakr wa yabki. And Abu Bakr who walked home and you could hear him crying. SubhanAllah. This is the man, As-Siddiq anhu, who was always there for the Prophet Remember, he feared, because of his sidq, because of his truthfulness, he feared that his tongue be used in a way that's not pleasing to Allah. He used to walk around holding his tongue and he used to say, woe to you, Abu Bakr, woe to you. So Rabi'ah has that one incident that he narrates with a Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And subhanAllah, what we get is a man who has been guaranteed the companionship of the Prophet a neighbor of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu in this dunya. And when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam passes away, subhanAllah, what we see from him is that he basically goes into complete silence. See, a lot of people outlived the Prophet and they went on to narrate. Many of them went on to become teachers. As for Rabi'ah radiallahu ta'ala anhu al-Hakim says about him, that وَلَمْ يَزَلْ يَلْزَمُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِالْمَدِينَةِ وَيَغْزُ مَعَهُ حَتَّى قُبِدَ فَنَزَلَ بِلَادِ أَسْلَمُ He said that as for Rabi'ah, he stayed with the Prophet ﷺ, he went through every battle with him والسلام, he was his shadow, but when the Prophet ﷺ died, he just went back to his people and he lived a quiet life. You've got to appreciate for a moment how much the death of the Prophet would impact a young man like that. Some of the scholars mentioned that he might be the man who said to the Prophet who was crying one day because he remembered a day that the Prophet would die or that he would die. And maybe I won't be with you in Jannah. 
I won't get to your level in Jannah. So Rabi'a, subhanAllah, only has a handful of narrations to his son, Na'im, Ibn Rabi'a, Ibn Ka'b al-Aslami, who narrated from him. And the other one, Abu Salama, Ibn Abdurrahman, Ibn Awf. Abu Salama, Ibn Abdurrahman, Ibn Awf, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was one of the fuqaha of the tabi'een, one of the jurists of the tabi'een, narrated the fiqh of his father, narrated from his father and many of the companions. And he narrates some of the things from Rabi'a, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And all you get is a handful of narrations about the wudu of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He narrates, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَسَحَ عَلَى خُفَّيْهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ I saw the Prophet wiping over his khuf صلى الله عليه وسلم, his socks عليه الصلاة والسلام. We're not going to get into a debate about how thick. But he is the one, or he is one of those who narrates that incident. And that's all he has are these few narrations with the Prophet in that regard. And he basically goes into his sadness and he awaits the moment that he will be reunited with the Messenger And he passes away sadly in Waqa'atul Harra. Waqa'atul uh, Harra was the massacre of Medina that took place under Yazid ibn Muawiyah. If you go back to Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, uh, the, the seerah of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, this is where Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that he lost over a hundred of his progeny on that day. Over 800 of the Muhajireen and the Ansar were massacred in Medina on that day in Waqa'atul Harra. Rabi'a ibn Ka'b al-Aslami happens to be one of those shuhada radiallahu ta'ala anhu who was killed uh, in that day. Uh, and so he attains a shahada. He attains the position with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's at the centerpiece of any conversation of what it means to love the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam truly. And this was in the year 36 uh, after Hijrah, in the month of Dhul Hijjah, Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu, Wa Ardah. I just simply want you to sort of leave with that thought of bi'idhnillahi ta'ala walking into Jannah and this man who used to sleep at the doorstep of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his palace next to the palace of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and him walking around the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What is your name? My name is Rabi'a ibn Ka'b al-Aslami radiallahu ta'ala anhu. May Allah azza wa jal be pleased with him and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestow that love of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in our hearts as well and gather us with him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ameen. Inshallah ta'ala, I'll take maybe a couple of questions and then we will uh, break for Salatul Isha. And next week, inshallah ta'ala, we will talk about another young companion, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research, dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode and don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.